We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back. Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. I am Seth Liebson. Mr. Bill is off, but fear not. We have David Dahl, my producer, and I believe Terry is around as well. For the rest of you, 602-508-0960 if you'd like to weigh in on anything. Quote, there is a cost to knowingly broadcasting untrue things. Close quote. I wasn't sure whether to start with that quote today or this one from the whistleblowing scientist in HBO's series Chernobyl. What is the cost of lies? It's not that we'll mistake them for the truth. The real danger is that if we hear enough lies, then we will no longer recognize the truth at all, he said. I think when CNN and MSNBC, along with their colleagues, all of the same ilk, training, outlook, and opinions. I think when they cut away from Donald Trump's speech last night or refused to air it at all but aired other speeches, you are in the territory of that which the Soviet scientists worried and warned us about. For it was Rachel Maddow who said last night upon Donald Trump's Iowa victory, quote, there is a reason we and other news organizations have stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to President Trump. It's not an easy decision. It's not a decision we relish. But there is a cost to knowingly broadcasting untrue things, close quote. That statement itself is untrue. It is an easy decision for them. It is a decision they relish. And they don't see it at all or suffer a pang of conscience or moment of thought about it. You know this based on the entire warp and woof of their news coverage and the angles they project on such coverage. You know this based on their commentators on the news. Not a single one ever in a country of over 75 million adult Trump supporters. Never do they put one on their network to talk about or explain why there are 75 million Trump supporters. I'm not here to tell you Donald Trump only speaks the truth or that his supporters only speak the truth, but I am here to tell you that news organizations will never come close to providing fact and truth when they arbitrate amongst themselves whose truths they decide to share and what they consider to be the truth. To wit, CNN and MSNBC have no problem broadcasting guests and speakers who repeatedly say such thing as such things as Donald Trump is a fascist or Donald Trump is worse than Hitler. The first is, by any fair standard, an exaggeration at best and untrue in the main, unless by fascist these news networks are trying to explain that during the Trump presidency there was too much coziness and coercion and co-opting with major pharmaceutical companies. The founder of fascism defined that philosophy, after all, as the merging of state and corporate power. But something tells me that is not what they mean, because all those networks were more than happy to pick up the prime financial cuts of those companies' advertising dollars and co-option at the same time. That he is worse than Hitler is demonstrably false. CNN and MSNBC 
had no problem broadcasting Anthony Fauci over and over and over again, though he said contradictory things over and over and over again, from masks to vaccines to goggles to herd immunity, and now last week admitting publicly there was no basis for the six-foot distancing rule. Perhaps CNN and MSNBC will never host Anthony Fauci again, as there is a cost to knowingly broadcasting untrue things. And someone who serially lies while insisting he is telling you the truth can cost a country, can cost a universe an awful lot, especially when the topic and lorded, arrogated expertise is about public health. Which raises an interesting question about what kinds of lies CNN and MSNBC find damaging. To borrow from Thomas Jefferson, that Donald Trump thinks he actually won the 2020 election neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg any more than that Hillary Clinton thinking she won the 2016 election or that Nancy Pelosi thinking Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election or that Rachel Maddow thinking Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election picks my pocket or breaks my leg. It's all of little consequence, actually, except for political pugilism. Telling untruths about public health, though, the consequences of which not only can be dire but have been dire, is a consideration that never once crosses the minds of the panjandrums at CNN or MSNBC or NBC or ABC or CBS or PBS or NPR. Was there a cost to broadcasting Joe Biden saying that, quote, if you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in the IC unit, and you're not going to die, close quote? Hard to know, because the AP fact check on that literally said, quote, Joe Biden's remark accurately captures the strong protection the COVID-19 vaccines provide, close quote. For what it's worth, Joe Biden broadcast this tricolon more than once sometimes replacing IC unit for get sick. Does CNN or Rachel Maddow have any concern that while they would not air a speech by Donald Trump because there is a cost to knowingly broadcasting untrue things, they apply no such judgment to Joe Biden, who said of the evacuation of Afghanistan that it was a quote-unquote extraordinary success? That, by the way, was in prepared and vetted remarks, not extemporaneous when Joe Biden said that. Thirteen Americans and untold Afghans died in that evacuation that witnessed the Taliban taking control of Afghanistan once again, where in the month prior, Joe Biden said he did not expect the Taliban forces to take over the Afghanistan government. Extraordinary success. Thirteen dead. I read yesterday in the Washington Post... That girls as young as eight in Afghanistan who are no longer allowed to attend school by government edict are being sold into marriages at an alarming rate there. Quote, they are saddled with housework and often subject to verbal, physical and sexual abuse, slavery under the guise of matrimony. It's no wonder suicide and depression are rising among Afghan teenage girls, close quote. Was that a cost of broadcasting untrue things said by this president? And while I'm asking these questions, will the U.N. or women's groups here or abroad say anything about it? Or are they too busy trying to justify the governance quo ante of Gaza, where women are treated at best as objects while they are protesting the government that had a woman prime minister years before this country's Supreme Court handed down Roe v. Wade? While asking these questions, what is the cost of broadcasting as CNN and MSNBC and NPR routinely do statements from speakers that the state of Israel is an apartheid state or practices genocide? 
How about the routine broadcasting of speeches by the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, who regularly says, along with Karin Jean-Pierre, that our border is secure? Is there a cost to knowingly broadcasting that and co-opting people into believing that? Here's a truth. Some truths are hard to discern and some truths are not. They are plain facts. But when we live in an age of my truth, whereby, for example, a college student can lecture the vice president of the United States that Israel is practicing genocide, and the vice president of the United States responds to that student that it was important for that student to, quote, tell your truth, close quote, in that world, we are elevating lies to the levels of truth and downgrading truths to the levels of lies or perhaps worse, delusions, which are false beliefs, often based on mental infirmity. In fact, one has to ask what the point of a vice president going to a college even is if delusions are going to be accepted by the vice president from an audience she is purportedly there to educate and inform. This was a student, after all, whereby the vice president will place on the same plane of judgment that which she has to say and that which a student has to say, though they are diametrically opposite things. But that is the world we live in where the personal preference and ideological objective becomes so much more important than the fact that, as in Shinbone in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, legend becomes fact. And all fact becomes subjective if it tells the story one simply prefers to tell. There once was a very strong and large nation whose main newspaper was called Pravda, which means truth in Russian. Guess what I just learned? It's back and run once again by the Communist Party in Russia. Some people here learned Russian once upon a time just so they could understand what the communist lies were, what was being written in Pravda. Today, my great concern is we need to learn English better to understand the lies here. For as that old Russian scientist said, the real danger is that if we hear enough lies, then we will no longer be able to recognize the truth at all. I give you Rachel Maddow. I give you CNN. I give you all the legacy media. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. You know whose voice that is in the background there? Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, We've little Linda Ronstadt that. with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Yeah, Tucson native. Linda you have Ronstadt. no idea how big a song that was when I was growing up. But you do know about tomorrow. You know tomorrow's news today because you're part of a new editorial team. I'm telling you tomorrow's news. I'm telling you what's going to yeah. happen and what you need to talk about for the That's show. That's so funny. I'm being a better producer. <laughs> yeah, you are telling me tomorrow's news today because you are, yeah. There was a TV show, Early Edition, that did that, and it starred one of the greatest actors in America, Kyle Chandler. He is a great actor. Do you know Kyle Chandler? No. Friday Night Lights the and yes. uh, the TV show Friday Night Lights and I uh, can't remember the other show he did about a family um, on the southern east coast that had a resort. Gosh, it was good, too. Anyway, um, how did we get on all that? 
How did we get all? I don't know how we got on all that. I was giving you tomorrow's news. (laughs) Yes, you were giving me tomorrow's news is going to be that Iran shot missiles into Pakistan. You know, that's that's today's news. Yeah, Yeah. you know, um, uh, so Iran is now just voiding all international law at this point. It's now firing missiles into Pakistan. Yesterday, it it fired missiles into the U.S. at the U.S. consulate into Iraq. Um, Of course, um, we now, by the way, just saw. Testimony from a captured uh, Hamas uh, commander or Islamic Jihad commander saying he got his he received his training in Iran. Um, international boundaries mean nothing to them. What's this notion that uh, while all this is going on, the American president is nowhere to be found? Does anyone know what Joe Biden is doing today? Is he being the president of the United States? Does he ever have anything to say about what? Iran is doing by firing missiles, as the Houthis, who are also funded by Iran, are firing missiles at Americans. And what's up with the Navy SEALs? Did he have anything to say about two Navy SEALs uh, that went missing when they were boarding an Iran ship smuggling illegal weapons? No? Anything to say about that? Two Navy SEALs. Two Navy SEALs. Um, is Joe Biden actually the president does he know any of this is going on and who the heck is minding the store if not him has the vice president said anything about this has Karin jean pierre has john kirby has jake sullivan have any of them said anything about any of this you know the architect of obama's um iran policy was john Kerry, who uh, announced today that he is leaving the White House. You know, he was the climate czar for the Biden White House. He announced today that he's leaving that position. Having succeeded at so many successes, he is leaving it to do what, young David? You want to guess what John Kerry is going on to do? Go back to the White House. Close. <laughs> to go. That's very good. Close. He's going to go to the Biden re-election campaign to help there. And oh, I wasn't, I wasn't too no, far off. No, you weren't off. too far off. Well, John Kerry just uh, loves a campaign. Well, he, offer, he is going to offer his sagacious thoughts on how to win a campaign. You remember how well he did um, in 2004 um, by thinking that his clever response to a question about a vote on keeping our troops funded was that he voted for it before he voted against it. You remember that? Maybe he should tell uh, President Biden that, you know, when he goes up to the nomination podium, he should say, this is Joe Biden reporting for duty. <laughs> maybe. I Yeah, maybe. I, I You know, I never bought this three-dimensional chess thing that people say about Donald Trump, that he's, you know, playing three-dimensional chess. But if he engineered this, that would be that. That would be an example of three-dimensional. Send John Kerry over to the campaign. Somehow do that. The uh, track record of John Kerry's, however, is um, is uh, is quite wanting. Steve Moore uh, did a pretty good crunch on it, um, a, a bit a pretty good rundown on it. Steve Moore um, has his number, and uh, it, it, it's it's a pretty bad record of accomplishment, John Kerry's. But it did empower a lot of um, a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the Chinese government, and um, that's, of course, something that um, is good for the world and good for America, too, isn't it?
Yeah, I I think I think in fact not. But gosh, love him, John Kerry. These people that just won't go away. It's incredible. It's incredible. He's eighty years old. Did you realize that? Are we just going? Are we just destined to be governed by octogenarians? Well, no, maybe not. Maybe not. And what you think about last night's Iowa win. But I got to tell you, um, there's youthful late 70s, early 80s, and there's elderly late 70s, early 80s. And we all know examples of this. We all do. And Joe is just way on the far end of that bell curve. And Donald Trump is way on the other end of it. And we can talk... All you want about Iowa. I'm happy to hear your impressions and takes on it. But so far as I'm concerned, this primary is pretty much done. Um, Now, the only asterisk I would hang or footnote I would put to that is if any of these legal cases against Donald Trump create some kind of unforeseen circumstance. But I can't even see that happening. This, this is a done deal. When you think about the money that was spent by the DeSantis supporters and the Haley supporters in Iowa, the hundreds of millions of dollars, the hundreds of millions of dollars that was spent to get them far second and third places, far second and third places, to have Donald Trump do what we said yesterday would be a remarkable an unprecedented thing, which would be the first Republican candidate to ever win more than 50% in a contested contest, which he did, is a remarkable thing. Howard Dean and other Democrats are saying, along with the media, well, yeah, but that means 49% didn't vote for him. Not so fast. Not so fast. That depends on how ardent and how strong that support for the others is is Vivek Ramaswamy, who had a hell of a campaign in Iowa, endorsed Donald Trump. Doug Burgum endorsed Donald Trump. And my suspicion is, if you're a Ron DeSantis voter and he leaves, you're a Donald Trump voter. I think the support for DeSantis is soft. I think it's very soft at this point. And I think it's getting softer, given the magnitude of his second place finish. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Dombrowski brings us our culture and economy update. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. You can uh, learn more about Grand Canyon Planning and John and reach out to him to him through his website, grandcanyonplanning.com, grandcanyonplanning.com. Happy warm Tuesday, John. Hey, how you doing, Seth? Hey, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, uh, Taco Tuesday, everybody thinks about Taco Tuesday, right? Yes. But um, people, of course, like to have a drink once in a while with their meals. Sure. Uh, 1919, prohibition is ratified by the states. <laughs> you know what's interesting on top of that? I don't know if yeah. you saw the stories that Taco Bell is upsetting its quote-unquote fans because it's canceling a bunch of traditional menu items. Uh, their menu And item. I thought, mm. wow, when's the last time you heard of a franchise have a food franchise actually have fans it's pretty yeah. rare. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it's pretty rare, isn't it? 
Well, I think everybody has their favorite fast food place, don't you? Uh, Do you they're not fast fans, place? though. They're well, customers. No, it's not, I guess, a fan, but that's, I guess that's the way they phrase it. I think Taco Bell has its own smart thing going, except maybe wow. not so smart. They're kill- killing off menu items. <laughs> anyway, Taco Tuesday news for you. Yes. <laughs> that's part of the culture. Yeah, bad. What else is on your mind? I will tell you what's on my mind, but you tell me oh, what's on yours. For, you can go first if you want. Well, I was looking at there's potentially some kind of a bipartisan tax yes, bill that's on, on the books that. here. I and I that. wonder if that's, uh, you know, going to actually come to fruition or not. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's a bigger child tax credit, and mm-hmm. it looks like it's going to actually be helpful to something you and I were discussing last week, if memory serves. Weren't we talking about some of these dedu- biz- the way businesses deductions, do, yep. do their yep. deductions and their accounting? Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, I mean, I'm hopeful, yeah, hopeful that something like that happens because a lot of the, you know, the Trump tax uh, uh, rules and laws that were implemented are going to be coming to an end here soon. So hopefully, we can come to some agreement to continue to move the economy forward by giving, uh, you know, consumers as well as businesses the opportunity to continue to grow. Yes. There's a problem uh, that I have been kind of looking at, which is: Have you seen this work off Fox Business? The cost, or excuse me, the amount of salary you need to bu- to make to buy a new home, to buy a home, not an, even a new home. It it's gone up and up and up. You now need to make a hundred and twenty thousand yeah. dollars to buy a home. This is really quite incredible. In the nineteen seventies. You needed to make about somewhere between twenty-seven thousand and forty thousand. It's it's an incredible thing when you think that the average two person's income in America is eighty-three thousand. Yeah, it just seems like this dream is increasingly distant to the middle class or for the. Middle I, class. I would like to, you know, I, I didn't see, but I'd like to see the ratio of uh, you know inflation, the cost of inflation over the years versus yeah. the uh, the income okay. level of inf- you know inflation yes. to, to income. Yes. To see if 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 it's like for like or if there's a, a wide disparity between the two, mm-hmm. because what is interesting is is not only is is it more difficult to obviously purchase a home today, uh, maybe some of the rules that apply to lenders, uh, you know, and and borrowers uh, are a little more stringent as well, and those. Uh, uh, the the numbers that they use to calculate the the loan to value versus your income, Interesting. Uh, all of these things come into play, uh, and I wonder, you know, with the cost of other items that have gone up so much. So the cost of food has gone up so much, right? Mm-hmm. The cost of if, mm-hmm. if you have a couple of cars that you have borrowed money to buy a car, that's more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a client that I talked to today that actually purchased a used vehicle, and their interest rate is about 8.75% on that used vehicle. No kidding. And I was, like, surprised. Yeah. Wow. I said, that's that's an awful high interest rate. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, if you're not buying a new car where the dealers are buying down that interest rate, yeah. uh, you're at the mercy of whatever type of financing you can get. And it's the same in the real estate business, right? Uh, if you're buying a new home, some of the builders are uh, discounting those uh Interest rates, buying those rates down for, for their for their buyers. But if you're in a resale market, you know the most often the seller doesn't want to, you know, pay points to the mm-hmm. buyer to uh, buy their interest rate down, especially because it's still a strong market out yep. there, and it really is a seller's market. So uh, there's a lot of unusual dynamics, Seth, right now that are happening out there for for consumers. That's making it difficult for people right now to, as you said, to have that American dream and own yeah. a home. Yeah. Exactly right. All right, John, we'll stay on it. Thank you, brother.
You bet. You can go to our website, grandcanyonplanning.com, and request an appointment with me. Let's talk about what you're doing to plan for your financial future. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Fenrir and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. And remember, don't run out of money before you run out of time. God bless you, John. We'll talk to you yeah. tomorrow. Thank you. Friends, the folks at Midas Gold Group have told me that the U.S. government and the Fed will have no choice but to eventually steer interest rates lower because if they don't, the current level of interest rates will bankrupt the nation. There's no telling when the dam will break. But when it does, Midas wants to make sure you have flood insurance, in this case, gold. Call Midas Gold Group now. Look into the opportunities gold can provide you as a way to diversify your investments. Call them at 480-360-3000. Or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. Midas Gold Group is the nation's number one veteran-owned gold and IRA firm. Gold IRA firm. Protect your assets. Give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Midas Gold Group, always faithful. MidasGoldGroup.com. Yes, young David. I see you're reaching for the microphone. What do you got for us? Well, since... Candidate Ramaswamy's departure from yes, the sir. presidential race. I'm hearing a lot of conservative pundits talk about the idea of him being press secretary. You were the first man. I, I saw it too. That you say this. It is true. I would like uh, like a Sam Stone heard it too when I think we sprung it you know, on a him. Finders fee, whatever that might be. Yeah. You know, does that mean they make me deputy press secretary? Maybe. I don't know if we go that far, but maybe a nice commission. <laughs> yeah, I saw it all over today. I've seen it a lot of places, and but we were the first. You never know what's going to come we out of this show. Last Thursday. Not only that, this is like the third time Ramaswamy. Well, I don't know that he floated this. It's been floated about him, but this is like the third time in this season Ramaswamy has said something, or something has been said about Ramaswamy that was uttered first on this show. It's interesting. There were like two or three other examples of that. I can't remember them off the top of my head. I think you. It's almost like they're listening to us. Well, they might. They might be on certain issues. As I think it was drugs, if I'm not mistaken. Walls are closing in. I think it was. Um, It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be unlikely that that they that they do on certain areas listen to certain (laughs) experts on these things. I mean, uh, Jelly Roll used used a line of mine on on the drug thing. I mean, there's not a lot of experts on this stuff. There's just not a lot. There's not a lot. They don't have a lot of places to go to, especially if uh, you want it serious and um, and uh, deep and important and uh, the like. Um, okay, what did I? Yes, Joy Reid at MSNBC. What? You know, I I don't know what's going to become of this place. Um, I suppose it'll get when Donald Trump wins. I suppose MSNBC will become. More popular because it will be the, uh, well, what they would think of as the loyal opposition, but they're not loyal to the truth. Joy Reid told her co-hosts last night, quote, all the things that we think about, about electability, about what people are gaming out, none of that matters when you believe that God is giving you this country, that it is yours, and that everyone who is not a white conservative Christian is a fraudulent American, is a less real American, then you don't care about electability. You care about what God has given you. That is what they think of as the Trump base, as the Republican Party, white conservative Christian. And if you aren't any of those things, 
you are a unserious or fake American. I like what um, uh, a wit over on uh, Twix wrote. A guy who works for Chuck Grassley named Mike Davis. He'd know something about Iowa working for Chuck Grassley. Dear Joy Reid, Iowa has always been a leader on civil rights. We've always been a free state. The Iowa Supreme Court protected out-of-state slaves as far back as 1839. We desegregated our schools in 1868, 100 years before the rest of the country, and allowed black men to vote that same year, 1868. We allowed women to vote in 1920, and we've been a refugee resettlement state for 50 years. Iowa is a very welcoming place. For you to pretend Iowa is a racist state proves you're shamefully and disgustingly dishonest with your viewers. But your anti-white, anti-Christian bigotry makes you deranged, makes your deranged left-wing MSNBC viewers very happy. Um, by the way, her father came from the Congo. Joey reads, her uh, mother from Guyana. Guess where they met? The University of Iowa. University of Iowa. State that twice voted for Barack Obama for presidency, for the presidency, against two of the, one an old white male and maybe the most famous white male in the world, John McCain in 08, the other against probably the, you know, beau ideal of, you know, kind of a white Republican Mitt Romney, Iowa went for both of went for both for uh, Barack Obama in both 2008 and 2012. They just say things. They just say things with no accountability. If you were to put something like that on the other foot, by the way, news news watchdogs would be all over it. Media Matters would be all over it. The ADL would probably have something to say. And, you know, just also what a disgusting thing to say about our party and our movement. Who was, I mean, Brian Donalds was stalking, stumping for Trump throughout Iowa. Uh, so, so, so were, you know, wide swaths of American representation. And it's his cabinet. You think about Trump's cabinet and you think about, you know, the people. Think about, I heard Cash Patel his parents are Indian uh, from India. Talking on a on a on a show earlier today about how offensive that is to someone like him, who Trump elevated and elevated and elevated throughout the federal government, and uh, tried to get I think I believe if I'm not mistaken a number two spot in one of the cabinet agencies. It might have been Department of Justice. Um, you think about just you know I, it, it, anyway, it just beggars belief. You know, Donald Trump had the first gay cabinet member, right? You do know that. It wasn't Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden. It wasn't. It was the director of national intelligence for Donald Trump. Did we have a caller here that I miss? Yes. Maybe she can call back if she'd like to. She's welcome to. I have to take a commercial break. 602-508-0960. Thoughts on anything you want. What? You still got a minute? No, I don't. You can pontificate for another 62 seconds. I have another minute? 
Okay, well, that's... 58 seconds. All right, well, that's your fault. (laughs) I want to tell you something interesting Dennis Prager wrote in his column today, too, when we come right back. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Y-Refi. They have a secure and collateralized investment in a portfolio where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. Ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. And it really invests you with just a ton of flexibility and control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees, and there's no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. Of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-24. 888-YREFI-24. I think it's true that I've never given a single cent to a Democrat. I think that's true. Just trying to think back to the hinter times. But somehow I did get on a Democratic Party fundraising series of lists. And from the Biden-Harris campaign, I got this email yesterday. And it says, today is the Iowa caucus, and that means we will have an official Republican opponent in no time. The state. Now we go to bold. Bold uh, font. The stakes of this race are higher than ever, and we need to make sure we have the resources to defeat Donald Trump or any other MAGA extremist. Do you understand Donald Trump is not the problem to them? It's all the Republicans. We are all extremists or any other extremist, MAGA extremist. All Republicans are extremists to them. Uh, we are all extremists to them. That's how we get to be threats to democracy. So when you hear about religious extremists, you will, um, like the terrorists abroad, and then you hear about the discussion of Republican extremists here, don't think that trick of language and trick of mind is not at the DNC's mindset or the Democratic Party's mindset. But also, let's think about that word, extremists. What are we extremists for? Yesterday was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the same day that email came. And we talked about his letter from Birmingham jail. It's a long letter. It's an important one. And he was called an extremist. And in that letter, he said, though I was initially disappointed at being called an extremist, as I thought about it, it gained a measure of satisfaction. And he runs down, was not Jesus an extremist? For love was not Paul an extremist for the gospel, was not Abraham Lincoln an extremist for equality, was not Thomas Jefferson an extremist for liberty. So the question is not whether we are or will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Maybe the Democratic Party needs to read more Martin Luther King, especially on Martin Luther King Day. <laughs> 